Hello and welcome along to the Family and Friends podcast. My name is Maxi. I'm one of the producers here at Family Creative and this is our new weekly podcast. Each week we plan to introduce you to some of the guys that we work with quite regularly and some people that we haven't even worked with at all yet. Our guest this week is stylist Coco Mel. Coco's been working her way up the ranks uh, in the styling world since she left the mainstream education at the age of 16. Now works with international brands, and uh, you've probably seen some of her work on the side of buses or on billboards in and around London. We talk about how it feels to see some of your work in that format, and what it does to your confidence, what to do when one of your assistants tries to run off with all the uh, client samples, and as always, we finish with some advice for anyone looking to maybe make a start in her field. Hope you enjoy this episode of Family and Friends with stylist Coco Mel. Coco Mel, thank you so much for joining us on Family and Friends. Uh, how you doing? What's been going on? I'm good, thank you. Thank you much for having me first off. Um, yeah, not much, just the whole pandemic, really. Just trying to so like to stay, stay safe and stay smart uh, during these like super difficult and kind of testing time. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I've escaped to the country once more. Uh, I was in Hackney for most of this current lockdown um mm. but like went through some things uh had a chat with my my mum and dad and they were like mate just just get out of london i think because my, my housemate went away so i was just like sitting in my flat on my own for like weeks on end uh it just yeah it just wasn't the one so i've come away to here i hadn't seen my folks or my family in months um so it's been great to see those guys uh, and I'm still doing some work remotely as well, which has been yeah. really good. Have you been keeping busy with work stuff or have you like taken some time to chill? No, I don't really like my nature isn't to chill. Like I'm no. very much like I'm on 10, 24, seven. So <laughs> like to, to be honest, even if I haven't had anything like necessarily like work wise, I've been keeping myself busy. So I've been pushing myself. To, I learned, well, I say I learned, I started to learn Photoshop in like the first wave of lockdown. Cause like, it was something like, it was like a labor of love. I, I, I like tried it before and didn't really kind of, wasn't consistent on it so I tried that again uh launched my own podcast last year amidst uh amidst like the first lockdown so I'm trying to keep busy where I can uh nowadays obviously with everything kind of like easing or starting to ease I've been able to kind of get back on set now uh and kind of finally get back to styling obviously which I've had massive FOMO when I've seen people still on the gram shooting I'm like I want that too so I've been fortunate enough to have opportunities where I'm getting back out there slowly but surely but hopefully as the weeks and months go on I can kind of yeah get back to some form of normalcy yeah have you been doing any, any remote work yes i have i've actually done oh i've done like two campaigns uh, remotely so the first one i ended up doing was in collaboration with office and uh converse just dropping them like a bit of gems a bit of fashion tips here and there so that was pretty cool remotely and then i've got something else that's coming out i can't say obviously nda and all that that's coming out soon but yeah where i literally started an entire campaign uh yeah from my living room uh, so that was pretty that's pretty interesting like not being on set not being able to like you know dress models or tweak certain things when I needed them to be tweaked so yeah it's definitely been a a weird way of working but to be fair I'm just I'm embracing I'm a homebody by nature anyway so this is probably the most time I've ever spent in my house so I can't I can't complain that's right excellent well here on family and friends we sort of talk about um your journey into the industry how you kind of made made your beginnings when did you first maybe start experimenting with you know what you what you do now um so where whereabouts are you from 
where did you go to school what were you like growing up like have has this always been on your radar like this styling sort of thing or did it just kind of did one day you were just like I do all this stuff anyway maybe I should just make a career out of it like how did it work yeah, yeah kind of so I think obviously going back to your initial thing um I grew up uh, outside of London in the suburbs of Buckinghamshire so I'm a country girl at heart um and I went to school in Maidenhead I went to a private girls school um that that definitely shaped me 110 it was a like it was like an old like catholic nunnery or whatever and i actually was the only um black person out of 250 girls wow that was a quite quite a telling experience um to obviously like be the only only person of color in like in any in any school photo you know on the sports teams and all that kind of stuff so i think that having that experience it definitely opened my eyes very early to the fact that i like i was different and like that was okay to be different. I didn't mind being different kind of thing. And I, I've definitely, I think that's definitely helped shape me to have a quite a tough skin uh, in hindsight. And then I think, you know, leaving school, I realized very quickly, I wasn't academic. I'm not, I'm not a bookworm, one iota. I'm very much like a practical, like physical hands-on kind of person. So sports I excelled in, but like I said, (laughs) academia, I did not excel in. So when I left school at 16, my first thing was like, I was either going to go into the army or I was going to go and work in retail. That's very, very different. <laughs> yeah, why, why those two things? <laughs> you know, do you know what it was? I really love structure. I love regiment. I love structure. And I think, obviously, spending time at school, like, you know, in the setting I did for five years solid, it was very kind of regimented. I knew what I was doing every day, day in, day out. And I thought, the moment I didn't have that, I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I was like, am I going to, like, crumble? Like, what am I going to do? Am I just going to, like, fall into a pit? Like, I didn't know what else there was and I felt like the army gave that regimented do you mean like that kind of like I don't know that kind of like deadline driven yeah element to it which I felt like I really craved and I really actually I excelled in those kind of arenas uh but equally like I I wanted to make money like as in like my household was very much um a case of you know you have to you have to like contribute to the household I couldn't just kind of just be skirting on mum and dad's coattails I had to actually make my own make my own path and you know like trial a couple of things so I decided for my mum's sake not to go into the army as her only daughter uh, I thought I'd leave that I'd leave I'd leave that for the for the for the lads and I just went into retail basically where I was there for like 10 years as retail management okay um in like fast fashion high fashion yeah high street fashion I did I did quite a bit so I joined like retail when I was 16 and was a manager by the time I was 17 and didn't leave till I was like 27, uh, 26, 27. And then it was very evident why I love fashion, but I don't necessarily love being, I don't know, being the, I don't know what you call it, like being someone who had to be responsible for like everyone else's belongings. I had to take care of the money, I had to count the money, like I'm not good at math. So that for me was challenging. And so I was the like, the business lot. side of it in that regard of actually yeah, running yeah. a shop, yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of a lot of pressure. It was a lot of weight, you know, like those like two a.m. wake up calls when the alarm goes off. Like I don't want to be driving <laughs> thirty miles to the store to cut off an alarm. Like, I don't. Have, that's just. But all that stuff was like what they didn't tell you when I started out. So I realized very quickly. Like I love fashion. I like that customer service. I like that rapport building element. But just not in like a nine to five, you know, four brick wall structure. That just wasn't really it for me. So I decided to go back to mum's house so I had moved out at that point back to mum's house but I was like yeah I'll be here for a year max six years later I was still at mum's house um <laughs> but that allowed me to save money from, from my house essentially but also it allowed me to like trial things out and see what worked so I did a lot of free work for 
easily three three years or so I was just doing free stuff where I was doing editorial shoots week on week out and I was just really trying to kind of like make make a name for myself in the streetwear sneaker community that kind of had some sort of credibility to it like I wanted to I knew I wanted to work with big brands but I just didn't know how to get there like there was me here at the bottom and then there was them there at the top and I was like how am I gonna like how am I gonna get the trajectory to, to meet them so they know who I am and I'm in their orbit and ended up just being I built my portfolio for a year um via sneakers and stuff the uh, retailer that's obviously now in Shoreditch and uh, globally in like LA and Tokyo and stuff like that I did their creative direction for a year and it allowed me to flex my muscles my production skills and really like hone in on the whole styling element and then from there I went to corporate fashion where I worked for a fashion retailer for a year and a half and that again allowed me a great connection with these brands that I've absolutely like idolized for years and then I then got made redundant in August 2019 and then I was like you know what I wanted to leave anyway like it's perfect timing like let me just see if I can do do this like for real for real like really like make a make a career make a living out of it and I was fortunate enough to have left uh my employer a previous employer August 2019 on the 31st and I walked into a campaign on the 1st of September and I didn't stop until COVID hit on the 6th of March I literally had six months of solid work and that to me was just like that was just very like a fortunate position I was in where I was able to really excel in my craft and really like, you know, honing on people I want to work with and just, yeah, just, just level up to be fair, actually, which was what, what my main goal was when I left, left corporate was to really elevate myself and to really kind of, you know, try and build a legacy and try and build something that's like really tangible that people can actually like are inspired by, but also like can relate to as well and can get some sort of connection from. So that's pretty much me pretty much today. Um, I recently formed as well my own limited company um, that not only offers creative services like production and casting and styling, but more importantly, really is about representation and visibility. I'm really an advocate for wanting to get more black and brown women in the sneaker industry, the streetwear scene, and really just championing them and helping them connect with brands like like I needed 10 years ago, but I didn't have, I didn't have anyone to rely on or to ask on for help. So I want to create that platform for them, for the next generation coming up. Yeah, have you met like many people from that that sort of next generation that that you you're so happy that you've met them because you know exactly how to sort of encourage them and, and help them like in in whatever way they might need it. Like, how's it yeah, been going? Definitely, definitely, I think for me, like, you know, I so said one of the silver lines of lockdown is that I have been firmly gripping my phone like, for dear life. So <laughs> I've been able to actually find find like, and uncover and unearth amazing up and coming like creatives and up and coming, you know, models, designers, all these people I never maybe would have had the time to do had we been out in the real world for the last year. So yeah, my, my roster of people that I want to work with has grown tremendously. And, and in turn, even, you know, I was lucky enough to meet amazing people on set. Like I'm meeting, you know, up and coming models who might, it might've been their first shoot. And I'm like, do you know what? Like you're sick. And I could really like, you know, use someone like you for another project I'm doing. So I'm all for, kind of yeah like it was really just amazing so just seeing people kind of come into their own in the last year and pre-covid that I've been able to connect with and yeah a lot of young people coming up now that I'm like I'm excited for the world to see what they've got a, what they've got to offer there's a lot of people that are definitely on my radar and I think soon to be on other people's radar as well so yeah I think obviously next generation is where it's at really so it's about encouraging and and amplifying them any way we can as a as a millennial as an oldie as I feel like I am now <laughs> that's silly um just circle back around to the the free work that you did like two or three years of free work that's that's a quite a long time but like when you're not being rewarded monetarily 
what was your how were you getting value from the from that free work like what do you say, say to people now who are going to do free jobs well like what's what's the most why are you doing it what's the most important thing to take away from stuff like that I think for me it boiled down to the passion and the love that I had in what I was trying to create like I I felt like I knew the bigger goal I knew what the what the aim was essentially if it wasn't an immediate reward it was going to be maybe you know okay in two months time I may I might be able to do this with this brand or this photographer so I think for me it was all about just believing believing in my source actually probably would be what I'd say believing in yeah in what I had and that like believing in my USP what like what I felt like people hadn't seen or people needed to see that I was offering it was really setting myself apart from my peers as well as competition as well um nowadays I really actually I don't really I don't really advise or advocate for free work anymore like I feel like it's a different era um so now anyone coming up I wouldn't I would be saying don't do any free work to be honest with you um I would say it was in fortunate position where I could go back home and I didn't have any bills to pay or you know much rent to pay so I was fortunate but it wouldn't be something that now I think if you have you move to London and you have commitments or you have you know you know I suppose like you know, a flat or whatever, I wouldn't advise working for free anymore. Like everyone has a worth. Like I think the moment you get up and leave your house, you're entitled to charge for that. And not saying you're charging a lot for that, but whether it's just your travel covered or your lunch covered, whatever it is, like it's still better than nothing. But I wouldn't ever leave the house now for nothing. I wouldn't advise that at all. I think when you get into the habit of doing that, when it comes to finally having to put a price to your work, you're almost scared to do so because you're like, this is so foreign to me. Like, you know, then you get yeah. syndrome. Will anyone, will anyone want to pay me for what I'm doing? Because I've done it before for free. And then those people you're working for free almost don't respect you maybe the way that they should do because they're not really valuing your time. And if you're good at what you do and you believe in and other people believe in you as well, they should want to pay you because that's that's what this world is about. No, like doing getting, you know, getting your kind of getting your comeuppance and getting what you're owed. hundred percent. Um so up next what do you think was your sort of like biggest opportunity as like a stylist where where did it like kick up a gear because like you know you've worked with all the biggest brands um in like you know sportswear and all that kind of stuff like was there any one job where you were like okay I think I think this is like a big milestone for me uh and it maybe opened up just loads of other opportunities for you in that world got you noticed um yeah possibly they're fair there are quite a few that i'm thinking like oh this was cool this was cool i think maybe the the moment that i realized like okay this is really like heavy heavy duty stuff is probably when i got onto the first converse campaign and uh i was fortunate at the time to start a client who was like one of like one of three or four talents that day um and ironically I'd actually been approached to actually assist the lead stylist of the shoot bearing in mind I've never I've assisted once sorry in my entire career it's not something I've ever I've ever done like I've never I've ever committed to to doing so when I got when I got approached I was like um I was like I don't think I'm really like assistant level material because I know what I'm like so I was like (laughs) I I was like if we can come co-style it but I don't think that I'm at the point where like I want to necessarily like drop down where I was at the time I felt like I felt like I was doing enough solo stuff that I was kind of building a name for myself singly in that sense so ended up the universe ended up putting me in the position where actually I wasn't an assistant I was styling my client and that person who who was the who was the the overall stylist was styling the other talent and what came of it was way it was bigger than my wildest dreams like I, I kind of knew where it was going but I kind of didn't and then all of a sudden 
it was on a bus. It was like <laughs> an 18 bus. And then it was, a, it was, it took over Box Park. Then it took over, um, I think it was like uh, Curtin Road in Shoreditch. And then I was just like, this is huge. Like, I, at that point, I was like, mum, dad, I was like, if you see a bus with a girl on it, it wearing X, Y, and Z, like, I did that. That probably was the moment where I was like, oh my God, like, I'm really like living, living out like what I'd actually dreamed of doing. Like, I've never dreamt of seeing my, my stuff. Never thought I would see my stuff on billboards and buses. Like, that's a very pinch me moment. I think the next thing for me now is Times Square. That's my next <laughs> but, for, but, for, but for last year when it happened, it was definitely having that iconic moment where my work was all around London and everyone was seeing it and everyone was like raving about it. It was just a very like, yeah, pinch me, pinch me moment. That's still a, a career high that I think I'm still riding uh, up until now. Absolutely. How did you sort of like use that? Like, even if it's not necessarily using using the job, but like what it, the confidence it gave you and the momentum that must have given you must have been mad. Like, did you change after that? having that kind of um, those results in front of you, seeing your work drive down the road past you in Shoreditch. Um, what, what kind of impact did it have on your, on your outlook? Do you know what? It definitely like didn't change me. Like I am like, I am me. Like I'm never, I'm never going to change. Like no, no amount of Instagram followers or likes on a picture or billboards or buses are going to, it's going to change me. So if anything, it just, it further grounded me and it made me realize like, if anything accelerated my drive and determination, it made me even more hungry. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a very hungry person, like in nature, I always want like the best results. I always want, you know, I always want to do big things, but that just made me realize, okay, cool. You're doing what you're destined to do. Like this was meant for you. Like you're meant to be here in this moment, doing what you're doing. So now it's like, how can you, how can you level up? How can you build on that? How can you like use that momentum and ride the biggest wave you've ever ridden? You know what I mean? Like for years to come and still, you know, still be, establishing what you're doing so for me it didn't change me I think if anything it just drove me more I was able to look at things in a more holistic way and realizing okay do you know what I'm capable of so much more than I even give myself credit for and I actually said to the I just I actually said to the client for the for the billboard shoot I said to them I was like I said you know what I was like, next time I was like just hire me I was like I'll, I'll, I was like, I'll start the whole thing next time and I kid you not a month later my phone rang and they're like Coco we want you to start the next campaign we want to start all the talent not just one talent we want you to start all five talents and we want you to create I think I think it was near enough like 30 looks I created I think it was roughly so like that one little catalyst moment allowed me to then do another global campaign for the brand where I was actually I had more responsibility so it just showed me that you know I can really do this and people can really actually, but people actually do believe in what I'm doing and, and hope, and actually I'm, I'm connecting with the right people I need to be connecting with as well. I think ultimately was the main thing, but yeah, definitely haven't changed from it. Um, I'm still me. I'm still the boring old, boring old reclusive. <laughs> me. I've always been. Say reclusive. Um, I say you seem quite extroverts. Um, are there people that you collaborate quite often people that you love working with like people you see on the on the call sheet and you're like oh man it's gonna be a fun day yeah yeah there's always people to find I'm, I'm lucky enough I'm in a position now where actually like I have a bit of say on on who lands on the call sheet so now you know I'm from doing you know anything styling wise I'll always ask well who's hair and makeup because I always want to know like because I feel like fashion dictates hair and makeup and I need someone I can collaborate with and who can help bring an idea like you know I did to into into real life. So whenever I can, I'm always suggesting like my people, I'm always suggesting people that I know. So a makeup, amazing makeup artist and hairstylist I work with often called Min Sandu is amazing. Anytime I can get her on the call sheet, 
I'm putting her in like no brainer I don't care like it doesn't even matter like she can do it she can do it all so I want I want to work with her always um Jack Bridgeland amazing photographer anytime Jack's on the on the call sheet I know that I know I know the end result is going to be stellar I just know I I just know I need to equally perform to make sure that the that the looks are on point because I know he's going to deliver on the visual visual element of it um that's really it really like they're like when I'm just thinking about the main two that I enjoy working with obviously I enjoy everyone I work with of course but sometimes we've been put together organically by the client putting us together rather than me actually injecting that individual onto the onto the course sheet or you know onto the shoot uh the shoot kind of roster but yeah it's always good vibes I feel like whenever a shoot is but I'm, I'm kind of extrovert I'm actually not that extrovert as you think I would be I'm extrovert outwardly in what <laughs> I dress and what I wear but I'm actually I'm actually a little bit of a of, a, of an introvert though Okay, despite, like... despite what my grand might perceive, I am actually quite sometimes. <laughs> nice, mate. Um, you've worked with loads of sort of huge uh, brands and stuff. Who is, what, what's like your perfect brief? Is there any jobs that you haven't done so far that are on your kind of list? Like either if it's like brands to work with or like concepts or people you want to style or like certain certain themes or... Is there anything on your list or do you just sort of take it job by job? That's such a heavy loaded question. <laughs> it's a little such bit. a heavy loaded question. Of course, there's always people I want to work with and people I want to collaborate with. You know, I think for me, um, I really am inspired and drawn to like the America, the American like street scene. Like that for me is really like, you know, it's just, it's just vibes. It's just popping over there. So like, you know, there's so many great, like amazing LA and like New York native creatives that I'm just like, I'd love to tap into. I think, I don't know, if I, if I could speak, if I could manifest it now and speak into existence, I would probably say doing a shoot for awake clothing, you know, like kind of like um, Amelion Dior, like anything like that would probably be amazing where I could just kind of come in and just kind of give my, give my little salt bay of a, of a styling, <laughs> the styling on a, on a campaign or something like that would, that would legitimately be like the, the dream um yeah to kind of because I, I love to travel like I, I'd like to travel anyway and if I travel for work it's like a double it's a double win and I feel like New York and I'm never been to LA but New York is always a good time so for me I definitely want to take what I'm doing and amplify it on like a global level like I think if my work is is seen globally why am I not also traveling the globe to like further propel my work do you know what I mean and get it in more get it in more kind of places so definitely uh LA New York is where I kind of want to be hitting up once these once these borders open uh, and brand wise, to be fair, I'm open to any and everyone. I think the beauty in what I do is I, I don't have to have any loyalty to anyone, which is kind yeah. of great because I, I love so many brands. I could never pick one. And that's maybe why I haven't ever really done like in-house styling is because I, can, I, I can't just wear one brand 24-7. Like I can't contractually tie myself down to one brand because I just I like to wear so many. I've got so many trainers. I can't just isolate it just to one brand so <laughs> no there's never one there's never any one brand I'm always open to to anything and everything like my inbox is open hint hint nudge nudge <laughs> um let's touch on your trainer obsession mate like <laughs> wait I think you take sneakerhead to the next level from what I've seen on your social you know I like sneaker enthusiasts I feel like sneakerhead I feel like is kind of like comes with like a misconceived notion I think sneaker enthusiast is like a, a nice like open-ended take yeah. from it what you will be a little bit kind of ambiguous i feel like sneakerhead is like i know everything about sneakers and i don't yeah, i don't yeah, know yeah. About i don't claim to know anything about sneakers no. how many pairs a, of them, that's not my lane okay how many pairs of trainers you got in my house yeah right now 
um in, okay in my immediate uh, immediate kind of uh, reach um i probably would say uh about a hundred ish a close to a hundred yeah like it's in like in my room like my spare room yeah a hundred but i have a lock up uh See, that also <laughs> got a, lock up. a sneaker lock up we've got a, got a storage lock up so that's kind of where i keep like the hope like well the holy grails but they're not my holy grails they're grails and like they're dead stock trainers that i like i need to i need to get rid of i need to sell a lot of trainers okay. i bought over the years i've just never really very lazy i'm not really that like on it with the whole depopping and stuff like that so i need to get on it but in my immediate orbit around 100 rotation that i that i like to like have just in yeah. case like, i have a day where i'm like oh let's try something new or whatever but i'm lucky enough to be in a position now where i get gifted quite a bit of trainers so Typically, like in a week, I might, you know, get a, an influx of like five pairs a week sometimes. So I've now got to find a new home for them, but I'm I'm struggling. I can't lie to you. It's taken over my living room a little bit, <laughs> taken over like my boyfriend's cupboard. Like I've moved him out of the main sneaker cupboard. I put him in, the, in like the little, the little thin cupboard, but like, <laughs> I've kind of imploded in there a little bit. So yeah, I need to get my life. I need to get like, I need to get a studio. That's what I need yeah. to do. So I can actually maybe have some, have some stuff there as well. Nice mate. Um, of your like recent jobs and stuff, are there, are there any like talent um, that you've kind of worked with who you've just had a, an amazing time with uh, and you'd love to work with again? Ooh. And sort of like what what was the brief? What was the situation? Had you met them before? Was it like oh. a good natural chemistry? That's a tough one. I must feel like one of speaking to you to go on my website and be like, what have I done? <laughs> what have I done lately that I'm kind of thinking about? Um... So you know that's actually really a tough one to be fair because I feel like talent wise late oh, well I haven't always met them it sounds really crazy but I haven't always met the talent that I've worked with so when I work work with I say work with in air quotes coffee on the Jordan campaign I did last year I didn't meet her I didn't meet her um, oh so you didn't get out to Jamaica <laughs> no, no, oh, no 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 it didn't happen in London but obviously because of COVID it didn't and I wasn't able to go well I say I wasn't able to yeah let's say I wasn't able to I wasn't able to go <laughs> Uh, for want of a better word so yeah I did it all virtually and remotely um yeah from a studio um where I had to have like a fit model I had to like get everything fitted on the model and then send it to Jamaica and you know kind of watch it kind of uh, roll out on like whatsapp call and whatever so that was a bit tricky but I, I feel like it would be her but obviously I didn't meet her so I can't say her because I wouldn't be fair to everyone else I think I would probably say the nicest or not maybe not nicest one I got along with I don't know what I actually don't I actually don't think I have one you know <laughs> I don't know I don't know if that's probably makes for a very boring answer that's but right. they've all been really really sound like I think yeah no no oh actually maybe no I can't lie everyone's been really nice I generally don't have like uh, an individual that sticks to mind I feel like there's a lot of people that I wanted to work with that I was really dying to work with for my own like personal work that actually we end up getting put together organically by the client so there was a guy called like Rio, um, Rio, I want to pronounce the name right, but don't hate me if I say it wrong. Thak, I think T-H-A-K-E and Anya Martin. I've had them on like in my saved, in my Instagram, if I kid you not, like two years, easily two years. And I was like, I want to work them, I want to work them. And then one day they're on the call sheet and I was like, this actually is perfect. And having met them, they're literally like the most beautiful like characters I've ever met. And I, I'm like, I'm like next time, like anything, anything else I can do with them, I wanna, I definitely wanna do with them. But they're the immediate two I can think of off the bat, like a male and female. But to be fair, yeah, it's everyone's been pretty, pretty nice to be honest with you. Nice one. Well, coming on to my favorite segment now. We've heard uh, when your jobs have 
you know gone really well uh you've seen your work cruising down shoreditch high street um but for your biggest clanger what <laughs> when when have things gone like wrong uh it, it might be your fault it might not be your fault i don't know like what what <laughs> i sent you the sheet earlier and you said yeah um, you yeah you thing. did and i i was in bed when i read it and i was like really thinking and long and hard and i was like immediately i think actually what came to mind was my biggest clanger would have to be in a in short falling asleep on top of a mountain <laughs> was my biggest clanger probably yeah to date probably well, on, a, on, on a job wherever's where's this what happened yeah, I was uh, on a job in Geneva and it was like minus 20 conditions and I'm not made for the cold, you know, oh. that's just not my portion. I'm, 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 you know, sunny, sunny beaches and blue seas. So ultimately it was so cold that I actually like, I was just dangerously like, um, like lethargic. Like I just couldn't, I just couldn't stay awake. So I actually went on top of this mountain while the shoot was going on, like wrapping up and I was under the tarpauling where the models having to get dressed and yeah. The model went out to do her thing and I was like, I can't move. So I literally sat underneath the tarpaulin, like with my arms, like under my armpits, trying to keep warm. And I was like shivering. Next thing I know, like I blacked out. I don't remember what happened. I just know that I, I was on that beach in Jamaica in my mind, but I was warm Whoa. and I was, I was comfortable. Next minute I know, I feel like the tarpaulin like start moving. And yeah. I'm like, this is not a dream. Like I'm like, I'm not, I'm not jet skiing in this dream. Like, I don't know what's happening. Then I, the half reality is I'm actually getting pulled down this Geneva mountain by my co-workers who thought it'd be funny to drag me down the mountain. So hence is what happened is I was in the tarpauling and I got dragged down the mountain uh, at, a, at a very like fast rate. Uh, and I thankfully jumped out like mid, mid kind of tumble uh, and someone else was left in the tarpaulin uh, <laughs> trying to keep warm as well at the same time. So it was a very, very... I can look back now, I can laugh. I was laughing at the time, but I also was highly cursing as well uh, because it wasn't how I wanted to, or it didn't, wasn't how I wanted the, the trip to end was getting dragged down uh, a cold ass mountain. Yeah, but like so, that's, that's like the first onsets of like, hypothermia and thank you. you. You get warm and you fall asleep. Was there no one there that saw what was happening? Because that's, that's dangerous. Like people fall asleep like that and they don't wake up. Thank you for your concern. Thank you. That's my concern as well. But no, I, wanted, I think what it was, the people I was on set with, like the creative lead and the producer thought, well, well, we're in the cold. Like, you know, we're, you know, we're standing up. So like, what, like, you know, why, why is she and my editor in the top hole and keep them warm? Like, no, sod that, you know, we're out here. We want them out here. So they, that's in them when they decided to, to drag down the mountain. But that was my concern. Dropping asleep was what I was trying not to do. I was trying to keep warm, but they just weren't really like, uh, weren't really like kind of understanding the notions. I think they thought I was slacking, but I'm not a slacker. I'm a very no. hard worker. So that's kind of how that happens. So that's my biggest clanger today is falling asleep at the top of a mountain. And I've right. never been to a mountain again, ever. <laughs> I've never been anywhere with a minus temperature, period. That's our first potentially lethal clanger. Yes, yeah, 100%. <laughs> falling asleep was my, was my biggest, was my biggest detriment. Never <laughs> staying awake for, for all that. <laughs> um what about like any like weird shoots you've had in the past like conceptually or strange locations i mean the mountain is pretty strange to be fair but have there been any like just kind of just a bit off piste if you yeah. uh, forgive the pun no to be fair actually it wasn't it's not so much like conceptually it actually was to the degree where an assistant i had uh went walkabouts with the clothes 
And that made for a very strange shoot because obviously the shoot can happen without the clothes. Oh. Uh, and it meant that basically I had to, I had to get my um, what, like Agatha Christie hat on and try and track down this assistant and find out where she lived because she wasn't answering my calls. I rang her like 160 times what? on WhatsApp, on Facebook, on anything I could, I could to like try and communicate with her. She wasn't answering my calls. So I, I had to find out where she lived leave the shoot the set that I was on to try and find her because she had predominantly all of the wardrobe that I needed to start to start these models with so I went on like a, a literally a journey from mile end to central London and I found where she lived and I ended up having to get <laughs> I ended up having to get the police involved to to retrieve back the clothing because I couldn't get the clothes back because she, she literally like just kind of robbed them basically Pretty much went MIA on purpose oh. uh, with the clothes, and then then proceeded to have an alleged um, seizure, because obviously it's better to be a victim than to be a culprit and for yeah. me to then, like press charges. So essentially, she started like you know doing doing a thing on the floor for 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 like dramatic effect, and I was just like the clothes. I need the clothes back because <laughs> 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 I knew she was having a seizure because I knew she was having a seizure because I looked for her letterbox. And I was shouting her name and she just ignored me. So really? like, she was fine, she was fit, she was walking, stroking her cat in the hallway. She was very active. So let me just put this name out there. I wasn't a cow, I didn't just let this girl. Yeah, just, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I knew that she wasn't having a seizure it's because she didn't want to have any, like, you know, legal ramifications against her. She's just and clearly then, panicked and it's a bit of a sociopath. And that's, what, <laughs> and that's what she did, narcissist, and done that. So the shoot essentially was canned because I couldn't, I couldn't shoot. The model, oh, I went back to my land, the models had left and the, the, the model bookers were like, you know, I nearly got blacklisted because of it. You know, and she, had, she had tens of thousands of clothes. She had some very, very big brands. It was my first ever like high fashion shoot and it ended in me taking the biggest L potentially of my career. And ever since then, I'm very, very like conscious. Like I vet people now, like I'm very much like on my on job now to not make the same mistake twice because I cannot have that happen to me ever again. So that was the strangest shoot I've ever had is yeah, a runaway, a runaway, runaway clothes. <laughs> runaway clothes. Was that like the first, one of the first times you'd, like employed an assistant as it were like was this person someone you knew well or not really or he actually was like someone I shot with before that was just like I didn't like what into what you do on Instagram oh can anyone help me you know pull some clothes it's all like you know like yeah. light-hearted and you know fun vibes and then she was like yeah I can help and I shot with her before she's like a very trusting person so I didn't have a reason to like doubt her yeah uh and then lo and behold that happened so yeah so never never again so um, it's bad it's oh mate so like, it's like the stylist worst nightmares the worst thing that could ever one of the worst things that could ever happen is that yeah whenever i tell the story people are like is this like out of like a you know like a, a column like a, a magazine column I'm like, no this is real life it really happened to me like in like my heyday of starting out this really happened to me but she was maybe like the second second or third assistant i've ever had so it wasn't like it was someone completely like i wasn't new to having an assistant that wasn't it it was just i was new to having this individual being the assistant yeah you just got unlucky i think yeah Mate, well. <laughs> <laughs> um so the last couple of uh sections um sort of we spoke earlier on uh you being the only person of color in your whole school how important now is representation to you? Like I saw on, saw on your website that the CMC initiative you started up. Um, what, you know, how much do you sort of like factor it into your your sort of practice now as as a as a as a professional? Um, and what results have you you know started to see? And what plans do you maybe have for the next like couple of years? 
so I think for me nowadays, I'm definitely looking at the brand first and foremost. If brand reaches out, reach out to me, wants to work with me, I'm going to do my research. I'm going to go back. I'm going to look. Is there a black square? Is there a hashtag? Like what? Like what were you like? What is it that you've done in the last year that makes you an ally and not a performative one at that? Like a real, a real yeah. life like, kind of ally. So I think once I've kind of done that vetting process and I've kind of looked, you know, I can't say I've gone to the extremities of looking at people's like LinkedIn, like their company's LinkedIn, but that's something that maybe I should start looking at just to make sure they have actually POC, people of color within their internal infrastructure. So that's really important to me. Um, but aside from that, I suppose like looking at like outward, outward messages, I think it's just making sure that within the crew and cast that there is, that, that there is like diversity that that is, that is that that's present. I don't want to be the only black person or person of color on any set at any one given time. If I am, then there's a problem, and that's not that's not it. But equally, I don't want there to be an abundance of us because then it just means like it then begins to be like like tokenism. Like we're just there, we're there for the for the cause. We're there to like to check that box and to make sure there's no backlash. We're not really there because we're favored or we're the we're the preferred option kind of things. So I think it's just me just really dissecting who I'm being approached by. You know what? What? What's the what's the narrative? What's the shoot narrative? Is it? Is it? Does it feel authentic to the brand, or is it just very much like a oh shoot? You know, Black History Month has come up. What, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like where we're at? Like I don't want it just to be like a you know a, a flash in the frying pan. It needs to have a bit of longevity behind it. So I think once I've done that, um, you know, I'm just I said I'm just I said I'm vetting it. I'm vetting it out. I'm seeing it. Who else? Who else I'll be working with? If the if the, if the client can share the names. I'm checking them out as well because I don't want to align with someone who might have had a bit of a, 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 a rocky, you know, pass on Twitter and then they might say something and then I'm working with them and it's like I'm then guilty by association because I'm, I'm, you know, in arms with, so to speak, with, you know, a person who maybe, you know, might have made a bit of a blunder for years, but I need to make yeah. sure that I'm working with everyone who's on, like, in alignment and on the right accord. Um, then obviously your next part of your question was like results and what I'm seeing from that standpoint. I think for me, I think, now I'm in a position, thankfully, with CMC 2020, where I'm being approached by brands, and they're actually they're actually giving me, you know, the keys to the kingdom, want for a better word, you know, where they're looking they're looking at me to set the tone and to set the pace. They're looking at me to, you know, to to conceptualize a concept that they that they want to then run with on their platforms. It's not it's a lot less nowadays where I'm just kind of like slotting into an already existing team. It might be a case of now what I'm being entrusted with, with essentially like their money and their platform to try and you know create an authentic, relatable story that, that is, that is you know, infused with diversity, equality, and um, oh, what's the other I? Oh yeah, an inclusion, sorry. I'm, I'm doing acronyms in my head. <laughs> yeah, so I think the result of it is, thankfully, I've been able to, been able to collaborate with brands, you know, this year, well, what, what, what's, yeah, what started this year, uh, you know, with some brand collabs, and I, I'm, I'm definitely working on a few things at the moment in the pipeline to definitely bring more, bring more visibility to black and brown people and, you know, and really amplify voices wherever I can. Uh, but equally, like, I'm, I'm even discontent with just being the middleman. I, d I don't mind, you know, linking like brands with, with, with black and brown talent. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not anyone's agent. I'm not trying to be an agent. I don't, and I don't, that's why I don't use the word agency for my, for my, like for CMC 2020, because we're not an agency, we're a creative entity. You know, I feel like there's so many glass, you know, glass ceilings kind of like limitation when I say like agency, like it's, it comes with its own, you know, kind of like bio. And it's like, no, yeah. I don't, I want it just to be, whatever it's going to be is what it's going to be. I want it just to be organically nurtured over time. Um, and I, I don't know, I think I answered your question. I feel like, I don't know if you want to <laughs> <laughs> miss something off. No, it's all good. I mean, I, I was looking through your Instagram earlier um, and you've done some work with Nicole Krenstall. 
Mm, yeah, that was um, that was very early on, actually. Yeah, that was, it was a while back, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I sort of used to hang around with her quite a lot, actually. She's um, part of the Nottingham Nottingham Trent crowd. Oh, Nottingham! Oh, yeah, is that your? Is that <laughs> yeah, your? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So she's got loads of mutual friends, and I haven't mm. seen her in a little while, actually. I'd have to um, check in on her. She's You're checking uh, on her. She's newly just turned blonde, as really? of yesterday. Yeah. Okay. So. She's a, yeah, she's she's definitely doing doing looks, serving looks on the on on the Instagram constantly. <laughs> yeah, you see someone actually when I met actually saying that actually when you said about amazing talent, I should have thought that you know Nicole like said like great, great kind of you know messaging that she has obviously with Black Girl Fest and all that stuff. So it's just nice to see another woman of color with very with short hair as well, yeah, like myself doing yeah doing stuff for the you know for the community as yeah is always is always great as well. Amazing. Well, our final section is advice. <laughs> um, what I found really interesting is your position at the end of school. You mm. kind of you saw in yourself that you weren't gonna you you, you didn't really respond well to academic things. Yeah. Um, so you probably didn't want to go to university. You know, you're considering these different careers. Um, I'm assuming you're you're very glad uh, you chose the the route that you did um, because you, you know you're smashing it at the moment that like you're a Thank successful you. stylist, international stylist. Like it oh must, it must be so much fun. Pile before it <laughs> wow. wow, that might have to go in the bio. <laughs> but what would um, not necessarily like? Uh, I, I, sometimes when I phrase the question, I say, you know, what would you say to your 16 year old self? Hmm. so what would you say to your 16 year old self and what do you say to you know someone who who you could meet tomorrow who was is who's that age um what's like what's your main advice to people maybe thinking about doing something creative yeah I think actually that whole what I say to my younger self second time I've been asked this actually in the last couple of weeks so I don't want to be generic but I probably would just use the the term just do it yeah. like just do it whatever whatever it is you want to do just do it don't worry about what the next person is going to think don't worry about your what your friends are going to say what your friends are doing like create your own lane as early as, as possible because once you once you stand in your truth no one can tell you any different so I just think to remain authentic and to be as original as you can just just do it just say what you want to say if you want to say something it might sound a bit weird to other people as long as you said so as long as you back it you know as long as you believe in it then I don't think you should have any kind of any hesitation and what I said to someone about um getting into industry um oh wow i've got so many things rushing through my head i'm like what's politically correct to say <laughs> um, 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 um oh actually i think know your worth i think is a massive is a massive thing that actually kind of could almost like be utilized with, with the first half of your question but i think knowing your worth i think you know coming up you know in the game i think it's so, so very easy easy to kind of to be thrown off kilter or to you know maybe feel like you know you you know maybe you're not as good as what you should be or not as good as your peers I just think honestly just don't even don't even sweat it don't even worry about what the next person's doing because you don't know how they got there and how you know you don't you, you don't know what they have to do to get there and I'm always very like mindful of you know on the gram especially you see someone killing it in air quotes on the surface but you're like what you know did you what did you sell your soul to do that though do you mean like it's like what are you, how much of yourself are you willing to give before yeah. it's enough and I think it's just be mindful that you know your worth and know what you're not going to put up with as in like you know don't do free work and you know don't maybe put yourself in in precarious positions that in hindsight you maybe shouldn't you know you maybe shouldn't be in if you're like a model for example and you're dealing with a male photographer like 
just be mindful that the 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 setting you're putting yourself in a safe always first of all make sure you're safe at all time make sure you know I don't want to, you know, go flight attendant, but make sure you know your nearest exit. Do you mean make sure that you know? <laughs> make sure that people know where you are. Like, it's those little things like that because a shoot can take you anywhere. You can end up one minute shooting in shorts, next minute you're in Richmond Park in the forest. You just don't know where this stuff can take you. So make sure that you've always got, you know, your faculties and your wits about you at all times, and make sure that whoever you're working with, you trust them, you trust in them, and maybe even as well vet people. Vet like make sure so if it's a recommendation, like, you know how did this person come about in your dms like did they just slide in there randomly like do you there's a mutual friend like try and just gain as much like you know knowledge of people you're working with as possible because you said you really just don't know some people sometimes of course oh it's interesting what you, what you say one. about sort of being safe as well you know talking about your clanger falling asleep in that tent and you know people not even recognizing the danger that that could that could you know possibly result in like yeah yeah it's, it's a tough one did that shake your sort of like confidence and I don't know like was it a bit was it a bit scary mm, it was a little bit too fair I felt like that whole trip was a little bit scary for me because I said like I'm not I'm not made for the cold that's just not what I'm about like you know what I mean like <laughs> I'm a black woman for god's sake we're not that's not that's not us that's not what we're meant to be in that setting so for me I think I was scared but I was scared in the, in the moments it wasn't necessarily like when I was getting dragged down the hill I could kind of like laugh that off because that's like that was okay it was actually when I was in the back of like um what's that like snowmobile thing what's that yeah. called a snowmobile uh, no it's called yeah I don't yeah. know because I can name for it but, but I basically was on the back of that and I've I've I actually thought I was going to die like Jen I was so scared the way that this guy was driving on the edge of cliffs oh. I, I have a helmet on I wasn't strapped in I literally just had to hold I didn't have to hold on to him I hold on to the back, <laughs> back of the seat and he was taking the corners like it was need for speed, like it was Tokyo Drift. He was drifting uh, out. Uh, and my stomach, knowing I was so high, I could see down. I actually said a prayer. I thought, if this is how I'm going out, at least let me go out in style. Like, at least let me, like, in North Face, I was branded. I was like, okay, cool. Like, that's how it's going to be. I came to terms with it because I was genuinely scared out of my wits. So now I know what I, what I will never put myself, like, in ever again i will never put myself in, in that kind of climate i don't think again not not willfully anyway <laughs> or not no not, not, not knowingly should i say never ever again so that probably was a that was definitely a kiss a kiss with death moment for me <laughs> nice mate well mate it's uh it's been amazing talking to you coco um i'll let you uh crack on with the rest of your day but um i really hope we sort of get to see each other face to face soon and hopefully even work together at some point because i think cross fingers, be really cross fun yeah cross nice one. <laughs> no, definitely. it's been a pleasure so i've actually had uh, an amazing time chopping up with you and yeah putting you put together some very good questions that made me think so nice i one. thank you for that for getting my uh getting my my motor sense <laughs> uh, up top I've been a little bit a little bit kind of blank these days so no yeah. thank you so stay safe and yeah hopefully Coming out of this lockdown, we'll collab on something amazing. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Sounds awesome. Well, in the last hour, you've probably had like three more pairs of trainers delivered. So <laughs> oh, there you go and unbox those. I wish I have. Actually, I've got one unboxing to do, but that's from last week. Actually, that's from oh, okay. yesterday that I got, but I do. That's <laughs> it. That's it. Awesome. All right. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. That is all we have time for this week on the podcast, guys. But please subscribe to ensure you catch all of our future episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram at family and friends. That's F-M-L-Y and friends, all one word. For news on our new community hub 
And please also check out our main page at Family Creative, that's on Instagram, or our main website, family-creative.com. We'll catch you next time. 